You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Good morning, good morning, good morning. It is a beautiful morning out. We are in a season where we get to celebrate the coming of our Savior, and we are really glad you're here to celebrate that with us. Hopefully, you have had an opportunity to look through the bulletin this morning. If you haven't, there are a couple of things in there that I want to highlight for you. First up, we are about a month away from our next Perspectives class. Uh, It's a wonderful opportunity to learn about how you can be involved in missions locally, how you can be involved in missions globally, and It's a fantastic overview of what the kingdom of God is doing right now. We highly encourage you to sign up. If you want to know more about it, find Doris Scott. She has all kinds of great information for you. Uh, Also want to show you, if you notice inside, there's, there's a big students section. That is highlighting information about the Midwinter Retreat. Uh, Midwinter Retreat is for any junior or senior high students. Uh, It's at Tanglewood Christian Camp over a weekend in January. Uh, It costs $65 to attend, and it is a fantastic focused time of discipleship and a lot of fun as well. So I encourage you to look into that. Jeff Williams has more information if you need it. And then right underneath that, you see something that says Conquering Gargantor. We are taking our fourth, fifth, and sixth graders back to CIY Superstart. We've been doing this for years and years and years now. Superstart is a conference devoted to that age group, kind of the tween age group. And it encourages kids to own their faith, to make it something that's theirs, and also gives them tools and techniques for sharing their faith, how they can talk to their friends, how they can talk to their family about how much Jesus loves them. It is in Grand Prairie, Texas. We leave on a Friday. We get back Saturday night. Uh, While we're there, we have a lot of fun. The kids learn a lot, and that trip costs $85. You can sign up on the app or on the website, uh, and I would love to talk to you if you have questions about that. And then lastly... Tomorrow night, we have our Christmas Eve service. We hope that you make the time to join us for that. Every year, it is a really, really special service uh, where we celebrate the, the coming of our king and the return of our king. And if you have been a part of it, you know how special it is. If you haven't, we would love for you to find out for yourself. You can join us here tomorrow night at 5 p.m. So we hope to see you there. Uh, We've also enjoyed doing the Advent readings this Christmas season, and we have our next one for you now. If you'll turn your attention right up here, Bill and Margie Elliott will read for you. Good morning, church. Uh, This is the fourth week, so we'll light the fourth candle. The word Advent comes from the Latin word that means the coming or arrival. For centuries, the church has celebrated the four-week Advent season by lighting candles in a wreath. The uh, reflecting on the coming of Jesus as told in scripture. The circle of the wreath represents God's never-ending love for us. The evergreens represent Christ's gift and eternal life. And the candles announce Jesus as the light of the world. The fourth candle of Advent is joy. This verse is from the story of Jesus' birth. 
The angels appeared to the shepherds in the fields nearby to announce that a baby has been born in a manger. The angels described Jesus' birth as good news of great joy because he came to be our Savior. The Bible tells us that right after they announced the news to the shepherds, thousands of angels appeared and sang glory to God because Jesus had been born. Our scripture this morning is from Luke 2, verses 1 through 11. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Cornelius was governor of Syria, and all went out to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. Please join us in prayer. Lord, thank you for this precious gift we have in Jesus. Thank you for the grace that you provide every day. Jesus, provide us with an opportunity to tell someone this season that through you they can have hope, peace, love, and joy. Holy Spirit, when this opportunity happens, Give us the strength and the words to act. Amen. Good morning, church family. Let's take a breath. We've made it to Sunday morning, right? Let's just soak in the praise and worship of our Savior. And um, as I was preparing for this morning, I asked the Lord, okay, what do you want me to say? And he said, well, tell him how much I love him. And I thought, you know, we've been studying with the junior and senior high girls in the Engage Sunday morning class. We've been going through the entire Bible as as one told story. And um, we just went through the prophets. And the prophets just popped out to me as they are the messengers of God. And they are, you know, God telling us how much he loves us. And so I want to take, I took an excerpt from, I hope it's okay, from Angie, uh, Angie Smith. She's the author of the study. And the study's called Seamless. And she talks about the prophets and about Malachi specifically, Malachi. Um, he's the last prophet of the age and, and the writer of the last sentences that we're even going to read in the Old Testament. And he's shouting these words of hope and promise to the people. He is coming back for us. This is temporary. Our Savior is coming. He will make all of this right eventually. Malachi tells God's beloved people that one day they will be rescued. Do you hear those words? I mean, truly hear that. His people are going to be rescued. He is coming back for us. All this sin, this disobedience, this apathy even by his own people, none of it is going to prevent him from coming back and claiming his bride. Who could love like this? This was true thousands of years ago, and it is true today. And so 400 years before a baby was born in Jerusalem, a prophet cried out to the people with these words, Behold, he is coming. All these words, these tangled messes of the people in the first books of the Bible, they tell us that it's not over. We have a king that won't be thwarted, 
who keeps his word and loves his people with a ferocity that defies logic. Wait for him, they say. He will be born humbly with the flesh of a newborn baby. But don't misunderstand. All authority and power will belong to him. And his life will draw a line through eternity. There have been kings, yes. But after the silence of 400 years, we will hear the words that still our restless souls. The only true king has finally come. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for your son who came to die on the cross for us sinners, Lord, that you just pursue over and over. Lord, we just lift up these offerings to you. Father, we pray that you would multiply them as only you can so that your word could be preached and spread throughout just the entire world. Lord, just to cover as much of it as we can. Lord, we just love you and we thank you and praise you as the Almighty One, our everlasting Father. Lord, it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. guys are not from around here. Right. Okay, where are you from? Uh, I was born and raised in Michigan, and Rach was born in upstate New York, but moved to Michigan when she was young, so kind of we were both raised in Michigan. Okay, all right. And so you have some traditions that you sort of brought from uh, from Michigan. What are some of those traditions that you <laughs> So, So the one that people like get the most shocked about, which we did not know was a shocking thing, no. was... Every morning, the first thing that you did on when you're opening presents and stuff was stocking was always first. Uh, and in the toe of the stocking, you didn't even have to look. You just knew it was going to be there every year. There was an orange in the toe of the stocking. And, like, that is part of Christmas. I cannot imagine filling the kids' stockings without having an orange in the toe of the stocking. And you kind of, like, when you dumped all the stuff out, you'd, like, wait to drop that out so it didn't, like, fall on your candy. You didn't want it to crush everything because, like, my mom would go buy these, like, giant navel oranges. Like, most of the time, like, you would have, like, clementines. And, like, if you are at grandma's house, there was always going to be something in there, but they were probably clementines. But your, my mom would get a giant orange, like, the biggest oranges she could find. So when you were dumping the stocking out, you had to make sure it didn't crush, like, your chocolate or something. And, and, and so the orange is one of those things that we assumed everybody had oranges in their stocking. And we moved to Texas and people are like, what? What does oranges, what do oranges have to do with anything? <laughs> so it fits be, good. It's <laughs> it good in the stocking. <laughs> Where we lived in Michigan is a very Dutch part of Michigan. And it, it's kind of a, a Dutch tradition. Uh, so St. Nicholas, one of the stories is St. Nicholas... Uh, put gold coins in the stockings of a family that had three daughters. Uh, the, the father was worried that they would never be able to get married because they couldn't pay a dowry. And St. Nicholas put coins in their stockings. The orange represents those gold coins that were down in the toe of the stockings. But then we found a couple other things that have been accepted uh, reasons. When Michigan was being settled... Uh, like this sounds kind of more like a sailor thing, but scurvy was an issue <laughs> where where you would get like a, a rash or a skin disease because you didn't have enough vitamin C. And so 
oranges became a thing that you would give at Christmas because number one, it was a nice treat, but number two, it helped prevent scurvy because of all the vitamin C. And, and so, so that happened. We've never had scurvy. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, have you guys always celebrated Advent, um, or is this? You know, acknowledging, recognizing the season of Advent is just kind of a new thing for you guys. Um, for me, it's new. We really didn't celebrate Advent. Um, there was people maybe that had an Advent calendar, like with a little chocolate. But um, celebrating the season of Advent, yes, was was new in coming to Texas. Uh, so, so now we we are a little bit more intentional about making sure that there's something that we're giving to that's a, a good cause. Uh, because of Rachel's job, a lot of times it's thinking about heart gift stuff, contributing things to the, the welcome kits that they have. Um, she was connected with Habitat, so we've done stuff there. And, and now we have, the kids are, are much more actively involved. Um, and, and it's honestly, some years are really like well planned out and active and some years we're just trying to keep afloat and trying to catch up uh so it's it kind of looks different every year rachel what do you hope that this stuff communicates to your kids um growing up i was a preacher's kid and so holidays were hard because it was like working and serving it wasn't really enjoying it the same way other kids do so I really hope every holiday it communicates to our kids the message of that holiday. Not only that they got to enjoy it, but why they got to enjoy it and that they don't just remember it as that they were at church for way more hours than they wanted to be, but the real meaning of the season. morning. Good to see you guys. Travis and I talked about the video uh, a few moments ago, and, and I said, now, Travis, I didn't hear much of what Rachel said, but I think you said that joy, great joy, is when you eat oranges and don't get scurvy. Is that right? <laughs> and uh, he said, yes, yes. So um, just remember that. Joy, real joy, every time you see an orange, just think about that. Um, by the way, that's not just a Michigander thing. Shane Reeves said he got oranges as a kid in the toe of his stocking as well. And he's a Texan. So um, lots of us maybe got oranges in our stocking. Today, uh, we are going to talk about real joy. Real joy. So I just want you to think for a moment about celebrating you celebrating, an all-out celebration. You know, one where you just go a little bit crazy. So maybe you get a phone call and you had applied for the job you had always wanted. All your life you wanted it. And you get a phone call that you got that job. So that might lend itself um, to a celebration. Maybe a friend of yours has been battling cancer for some time and you get news that they got a clean bill of health. That's reason for celebration, is it not? I know some of you told me this very story that during the flooding, the waters were rising and the water came within an inch of going into a friend's home. If you've ever been flooded, that's reason 
for a wild celebration, is it not? So the Texans are playing today. They hope to get in the playoffs. If they won the, I'm not going to celebrate wildly today, but if they won the Super Bowl, how many of you would celebrate wildly? That's right. That's right. You cowboy fans, I just saw a few of them. I'm going to just cover my eyes. You know, we want you to celebrate with us, celebrate with us. You know, I could name several items that might cause you to shout. It might cause you to dance. Just imagine how you celebrate. You might throw a party. You might call your friends. You might call a family member. You are celebrating. You are experiencing outlandish joy. But the truth of the matter is joy is very evasive in some of our lives. We go through seasons where we've given up on real joy. Guys, real joy is possible. Real joy, in fact, is probable. I just want to lead us in a word of prayer as we dive into this theme of real joy. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you meet us in the midst of wherever we find ourselves today. Father, maybe we're going through a difficult time in our life. Maybe we're facing some challenges we've never faced before. Maybe we're just, we're trying to manage happy. Uh, We're trying to manage a smile on our face. We're trying to manage and step out of this battle with depression. Father, whatever it might be, remind us today, call us today to real joy. Father, we, we realize that real joy is ultimately found in you. Father, teach us that today. Remind us of that today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want us to look at some simple, very simple principles today. The first principle is don't settle. Don't settle. It is easy to settle for something less than joy. Don't settle. You can experience. Every one of us in this room, regardless of what we're going through, you can experience real joy, unshakable joy, forever joy. Joy becomes a reality through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Joy becomes a reality through the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible, you can follow along in these verses. I'm going to go fairly fast through several verses. In a moment, we'll camp out on one or two. But listen to these joy verses. Psalm 4-7, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. 
you've put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. You make known to me the path of life. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 35, for his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Isaiah 35, 10. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Those bought out of captivity, those bought, the ransomed of the Lord. They shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Isaiah 55, 12. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. You were clapping a moment ago, right? You were worshiping. Real joy is possible. Real joy is probable. Turn with me to Matthew, Matthew 2. Matthew 2. Let's look at the visit of the wise men. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, we're going to see from the very beginning, just think through it, it's very simple, that Jesus from the very beginning caused division. Here are these wise men. They've seen his star in the east and they've come to worship. They bring gifts to the one who is born king. You see, Herod was a usurper. Herod was a pointed king. He was not the real king of the Jews. So immediately he's upset. He, he actually slaughters children later on in this story because he's threatened by the newborn king. The passage continues. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him kind of like when mama's not happy, nobody's happy, right? When Herod's not happy, you're in big trouble. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ, the deliverer, the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. 
And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, and are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. It's a whole nother message, but it was obvious to the scribes what Bethlehem was and that a Christ, an anointed one, a Messiah would be born there. It's kind of striking that they pretty much ignore this fact. Then Herod summoned the wise men and secretly ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They rejoiced exceedingly, overflowing joy, abundant joy, great joy. We see this great joy word used in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, great joy. You know, now there's going to be some fun in my house on Christmas morning. I I guess we're supposed to put an orange in the stocking. We might have to redo the stockings, Jennifer, but, but there's going to be great joy that joy fades away. It does. Because often that joy is what what happens when we gather around presents. That was a T. Um, (laughs) Great joy should accompany the presence of Jesus Christ. You see, he's present this morning. Regardless of what is going on in our life, we can worship with great joy because Jesus is present in this place. I don't know about you, I'm thankful for that. I'm very thankful that God never leaves us. He never abandons us. We might feel alone. We might feel that our prayers are hitting the ceiling and bouncing back down. But real joy can be a reality in every one of our lives. No one's left out in this place in every one of our lives. Great joy Great joy flows in those who have experienced a great rescue. N.T. Wright says these words, underneath it all is a celebration of God. God has taken the initiative. God the Lord, the Savior, Savior means rescuer, God the Lord 
the Savior, the powerful one, the holy one, the merciful one, the faithful one. God is the ultimate reason to celebrate. Great joy flows in those who have experienced great rescue. I hope you realize that there is rescue through Jesus Christ. We all need to be rescued. I don't know how much you watched um, the funeral services, whether those held in the National Cathedral or those held uh, here in Houston for President Bush, who recently passed away. Um, but his biographer, those words were some of my favorite words. I just like to read some of those. John Meacham, he recounts the story of President Bush serving in World War II. And he says that it was his life was almost over before it had fully begun. He said that President Bush, um, one of the youngest pilots, in fact, the youngest pilot at that time to have ever served in the armed forces, that his aircraft took off from the um, aircraft carrier, the San Jacinto. Their mission was to attack a radio tower on Chichijuma. They accomplished their mission, but while they were flying over, attacking that radio tower, the aircraft, artillery, um, some of the flak hit their ship and they would eventually crash in the sea. None of um, those on the plane survived except for President Bush. He would find himself in a life raft. He would find himself weeping. The reason he was weeping was the huge burden of flying that plane and losing his entire crew was weighing on his shoulders. Meacham says, he recounts, that it was at that point President Bush prayed. And he prayed that his rescuers would find him before his enemies did. A periscope of a submarine rises from the water. And he was rescued. John Meacham says these words. Over the decades which were to follow, almost daily, President Bush would ask himself, why me? Why was I spared? In a sense, the rest of his life was a perennial effort to prove himself worthy of his salvation on that distant morning. To him, his life was no longer his own. There were always more missions to undertake, more lives to touch, and more love to give. And we're not talking about Jesus at that moment, but we are talking about an incredible rescue. Do you think he experienced great joy? an expressible joy? Do you think it, it really did? I, I don't believe these are just empty words. I believe his life was impacted 
until the day died. I think of those shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night. They're told of a savior in Luke 2, 10 and 11. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy that will be for who? All the people. I think that includes you and me. Good news. Gospel news. News of freedom. News of a rescue. News of a savior. News of the fact that every one of us, Isaiah says, in fact, all you like sheep have gone astray. Each of you have turned to your own way. But God laid on him the rebellion, the iniquity of us all. Those gifts the wise men brought, one of them would be that which was used to embalm a body. Jesus was born to die. It wasn't plan B. It wasn't a mistake. And he was born to die because he paid the ransom that we might have life. And I tell you, when you're rescued, at least at the point of rescue, at least at the point where you cross the line of faith, surely joy, inexpressible joy, great joy flowed in your life. The truth is, joy is elusive. Third principle. Some of us leak. Smile. Don't let it be too tense. (laughs) Joy leaks out. We forget. Joy is elusive. Sometimes we we have a hard time holding on to joy. Joy is elusive apart from a constant abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. Turn to John 15. Jesus talks about that relationship. John 15. Over the past years, God's opened my eyes to scripture and I see things differently than I did earlier in my life. And the key thing I see is the scripture more than not talks about us, not me. Okay? So a vine does not have just one branch on it. Would you agree? A vine has many branches. You and I represent the branches. You and I are not to do life all alone. As followers of Jesus, we're to be connected to the vine, but we do life not in isolation, but with other branches. Abide in me, Jesus said in verse four. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, 
you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This week, several things happened in my life um, that were beyond my control and I had a choice. I had a choice whether I was going to get real frustrated um, when my plans had to be set aside or um, whether I would just say, and not in a fatalist way, it is what it is. God knew this was gonna happen long before I got here. Some of you have been through closings. I was closing on a property, a family property. And years ago, I just never expected closing to occur on the day it was set. I've had them ask for stuff that's just kind of ridiculous, the day of closing. And, and so closing gets moved. Well, I was out of state to close, and it was very frustrating when it didn't happen. You know, at that point, so you think whatever of whatever it is in your life right now that is frustrating you, you have a choice of abiding of remaining, of connecting with Jesus, of living in relationship, or going it alone. Does that make sense? We have a choice. We're not chained to the vine. We're in relationship with the vine. You know, marriages get cold sometimes. Parent... Um, Child relationships go through rocky times. Friendships go through rocky times. We have choices of whether we're going to re-engage. Now the catch here is Jesus is the perfect vine. The problem is we're not the perfect branches. Joy is elusive unless we walk, we talk. Talking's called prayer. We feed. I feed several plants around my house pretty regularly. The word is how we feed ourselves. Don't be guilty. Seriously. God wants you to find joy. It's found in him. He wants, it's just like stewardship. He wants something for you, not something from you. He wants you to connect with him in prayer and connect with him in his word because that's the way you're going to have life, abundant life, the life you were created to have. Joy, real joy. John 15, 11, the same chapter. John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, fruit of the spirit. It's not the fruit of Dale. It's not the fruit of George. It's not the fruit of Mike. It's not the fruit of Barry. It's the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, second fruit, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. 
I might have said them a little differently. That's the way I learned them, okay? Fruit. I don't know about you, I want those fruit in my life. I want to be a little fruity. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You see, all of those things aren't in my life consistently. I mean, if they're in your life, all of them, every day, I want to spend more time with you. I don't mean that joking. You see, we rub off on each other. We're not connected to the vine. We don't go it alone. We do life together as the body of Christ. So I just want to finish where I started. Don't settle. Don't settle. You can experience real joy, inexpressible joy, forever joy. Joy can be, and I would even say will be a reality in your life if you engage the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I thought of joy, I I thought of a refreshing drink. That might sound a little strange, but I don't know if your throat's ever been parched, right? Parched. Listen to these words. Isaiah 55, one through three. Come everyone who thirst, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Now you have no money, but you can buy and eat because God's inviting you to drink. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Be careful, Isaiah says. You'll blow all that you have on that which cannot deliver. But you see, the fountain of living water delivers. It brings joy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food and climb your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Next to the last chapter of the Bible. I love this passage, by the way. I've had many people over the years say, Dad, you better write that down. It means you can count on it. Write it down. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. You know, he is coming again. He is coming again. The babe in the manger is coming as the king. He was rejected then. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord when he comes again. Behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. I love that. Without payment payment. You can't buy this. You can't trade for this. 
You see, you come to Jesus, you come to our Savior, our Deliverer, you embrace the gospel, you receive it with empty hands. Empty hands. You can't earn it. I know this is a little debatable at times, but the Christian faith is not a religion. Now, as people evaluate it worldwide, they will call it a religion. It is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. Joy flows from a relationship with Jesus Christ. If we confess, some of us leak. I've had joy leaks in my life. You know, I think he wants us to come and say, Father, forgive me. I've chosen my way. I've tried to produce joy and my joy isn't real. Fill me again. I'm thirsty. I desire joy that comes from you and you alone. You see, when we come to the table of grace, when we take the bread representing the body of Christ and then we dip it in the cup representing the blood of Christ, we don't come up here and trade. We don't give something to get something. We come up here with empty hands celebrating the life that we've received through Jesus. If you're here, and that sounds too good to be true, it's not. God loves you. He wants you to experience life. Today, this Christmas, you might unwrap the gift God has for you. Life through Jesus Christ, through faith in him alone. I encourage you to pray with our prayer partners. As you come forward for communion, they will be here and in the back to pray with you. I encourage you to just think about empty hands as you come forward today. Father, we thank you. I'm going to ask those who are serving communion to prepare and come forward. Father, we thank you for love. We thank you for hope. We thank you for peace and we thank you for joy that flows in the lives of those who have been rescued. We thank you for joy that is real, that is inexpressible, great joy, forever joy. Not forced joy, not manufactured joy, but the joy that flows in us because we've received the greatest gift of all, life through Jesus. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the price you paid that we might have life. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. If you'd come.
as we continue our worship here this morning, celebrating the joy that we have in Jesus, maybe embracing it for the first time. And as we celebrate this joy, for those who don't know it, maybe those who've lost it, maybe those who are struggling to see it, this morning our prayer partners are available for you. We want you to come this morning and, and come forward and to receive prayer. Maybe you want to accept Christ and know joy, the person. We invite you to come. Father God, we come to you this morning in joy, celebrating your goodness. We praise you and thank you for the joy available to us in the person of Jesus. May we seek our joy and our contentment, our satisfaction in him and no other. We praise you in his name. Amen. God bless you and Merry Christmas.